Hello and welcome to the Berman Hour podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman, coming to you from somewhat dreary, kind of beautiful Lancaster, Pennsylvania. This is the Into Oblivion series on the Berman Hour podcast, where I am speaking to the personnel I worked with on my new Divided Heaven record called Oblivion. And today I'm speaking to one of the four producers that I worked with, Mr. Tim Van Dorn, all the way in Antwerp, Belgium. Before we get into my conversation with Tim Van Dorn, some housekeeping stuff. The Berman Hour podcast is a fan-supported and listener-supported podcast. The easiest and most efficient way to support the podcast, really, right now, is to pre-order my new goddamn record. Doesn't matter where you are in the world, go to dividedheaven.com. That'll uh, get you to the links for the record labels, and they can send you a new record when it's out, which is going to be February 4th, just coming up in a few weeks. Yes. Also, I have a new song called Creep that's out. It's also going to be available for purchase as part of a charity compilation called Attention by the fam at Wiretap Records. And that's going to be available on the 20th of January, which, as I'm recording this, is in about 55 minutes from now. So, yes, be on the lookout for that. Also, we've had some good singles out. Yeesh. We've had Burn Me and beginning of the end and creep and the newest single monuments premiered in visions magazine in germany today and yesterday it premiered in hollywood life which is like a hollywood gossip magazine which is crazy so check out the lyric video at those sites and it's going to be on all streaming platforms monuments that is on all streaming platforms this friday uh, what day is that? Jesus Christ, the 21st. Too many dates, too much good new music. I hope you all are enjoying it. And I hope you all enjoy my conversation with my buddy Tim Van Dorn. I had the pleasure of touring with him. Uh, and tour. I wish I could tour with him. Uh, recording with him in Belgium a few years ago when I was on tour in Europe. Uh, I even had my wife with me, you know. And we just hung out for a few days and recorded part of this new record. And uh, yeah, it was a great time. I loved him. I hope I get to work with him again soon. And I hope that you all enjoy this wonderful interview. Let's get Hello, you're in the studio. I am. I keep, for- I keep forgetting that the studio is in the house. That's great. Yeah. Yep, it's a uh, it's a uh, one of the perks of having it at home. <laughs> so that's your preference now is to have the studio in the house. Well, it cost me a lot of euros to get to get it inside of the house, so I'm not going to complain. I do miss uh, the, the uh, somehow I do miss the morning commute. Uh huh. Going to work because right now it's just I when I wake up in my pajamas I I hit the the button on the computer and I'm at work. <laughs> yes. Even after half a year, it's still weird. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's good to see you. Good to see you, too, man. You All right. Pro- <laughs> you produced Monuments, which is the opening track. And awesome. you did so yeah, much on that song, and you sang on that song that I gave you a feature credit as well. So you're a featured artist in addition to being a producer. You also awesome. produced Reckoning, which is uh, a song that I did with Jen from the Bomb Pops, and you right. also produced Baby in the Band, which has been out since January of 2021. Um, right, one of the kind of 
you know, wilderness signal signals that I, I refer to. So I think you had more of a hand in this record than maybe anybody else that I worked with. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm honored. <laughs> so if, if you like the record, hit up Tim Van Dorn. If you don't like the record, then send him all of your hate. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? You want Why me not? to leave my email? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, phone it's number and, and not tell them that I'm from Belgium. So they get really high costs for calling. Me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, here we are. We're in the fall of 2021. And you and I worked together in the winter of 2018. I mean, it feels like yesterday, but it's crazy that it was almost three years ago. Is it 2018? That yeah. is, that does not feel that long ago. No, no, it doesn't. Wow. But we kind of took the year though. <laughs> we did, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. we, we got a lot done in that year. So uh, something else yeah. worth mentioning is I, I went to Europe on tour slash vacation with the wife, which for my musician friends out there, you know, that that's a very delicate balance to try and strike. And <laughs> To top it all off, it was tour, vacation, and a recording session with you in Antwerp. Yeah. And so we did a song called Thanks for Listening, which will show up somewhere sometime, Baby in the Band and Reckoning. Yeah. And then it was during the initial few weeks of the lockdown that I finished Monuments and, and thought, like, ah, this needs Tim's fingerprints on this for production. And that kind of made us have to work together in a you know remote capacity so how is it how has it been for you now that you have this new studio in your house are you having people come into your home to record or are you doing a lot of remote projects um i did do a couple of remote projects uh i i I really enjoy those uh for the for the sole reason of not having anyone behind me when i come up with ideas um, I I don't have really have an ego when it comes to like I wrote this riff. Do you like it or not? If people don't like anything I I I, I bring to the project, I'm okay with that. But the the whole creative process, being on my own in my own studio and 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 coming up with stuff is 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 fun. Like there's no uh, what's the person behind me gonna think of this? Um, so right. it's it's a very easy way of creating. Um, but I didn't do that a lot. Um, to be honest, I didn't do anything for almost a year. Like there was a, a little gig here and there, but, but nothing much. So um, my girlfriend was able to keep on working from home. So financially, we we didn't really have a rough time or anything, but it was just a devastating, boring period of time for me. So I'm. it's been uh, about two months now that people are starting to come into the studio again. And like always, when you're self-employed, it's either too busy or too quiet, and I'm back to too busy. So I'm I'm happy. That's that's the way I like it. That's great. That's great. I don't know. What were your thoughts when we first met and I presented these songs to you? I thought it was awesome. Um, I think our first real mutual acquaintance was Joe McMahon. Yes. If I'm taking so um, anything he brings to me somehow, if that if that's the correct way of saying it, I always assume it's going to be rooted in punk rock, which your songs were, but they weren't. 
So, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) You sound like my publicist trying to explain this to a (laughs) to a rag somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Well, no, the the music's definitely not punk, but the whole idea of you going to Europe uh, uh, and and recording here with the wife and everything—that's a pretty punk scenario, I guess. To no. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Uh, let me let me paint a picture for you real quick. It's the summer of 2014. I'm sitting with Joe McMahon in Rimini, Italy. So we're swimming in the Mediterranean, having a good time. And he says to me, yeah, there's this guy in Belgium. I think I'm going to record my record with. And I kind of want to have this Carpenter's vibe to the record. And I took a sip of my drink and I thought, that's never going to happen. But I said out loud, oh, that's a great idea, Joe, for sure. (laughs) And, And then like four months later, you know, it's I'm I'm home from tour. The cycle's kind of on a little bit of a pause, and I go on a jog with these rough mixes that Joe McMahon had sent to me. It all went black yesterday. Canadian graffiti. Some of those songs on that record that I heard every day for a whole fucking summer. Right. Your production. I mean, I I didn't even go on my jog that day, Tim. I was just like I sat on the stoop of my apartment and just listened to the fucking mixes and. Like awesome. your, your production touch was, uh, first of all, it was exactly what Joe McMahon wanted. And it was weird that he called his shot like that and, and followed through because you and I both know that can be difficult to do when you're working with a producer for the first time. Um, yeah. but you definitely captured his songwriting, I think at its best. And that was why I wanted to, to work with you. Um, so awesome. I'm glad that I'm glad that it turned out that way for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that I mean that's a that's a really big compliment. I'm 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 really I'm still very happy with the the whole record Joe did. It's uh it was kind of like yours, one of the more creative records for me. I was involved in like Joe and me were was just both in the studio grabbing instruments like it needs this and then just throwing stuff on top of stuff and and seeing what's yeah. what and I think in a, a more how do you say it? Like more dressed down? Is that how you how you is that a sure. phrase you use in for your songs? We did as well. Like there's no big wall of drums on the right. songs, but there was definitely a big wall of like reverb and uh guitar tones were really important. And I think well, it's always a gamble, but I think we were pretty much in agreement on sounds from, from the get-go. So I, I guess that's what made it easy. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I, I was actually on the phone with Jen last night or interviewing her for the podcast. And she was right. talking about a producer who I won't mention, uh, but because she, she may or may not be working with this producer. But we were, you know, we, we were both kind of saying how much we liked this producer's work where you you get the sense that they capture the vibe of the room. It's almost as if no matter how big it sounds, you can hear, you know, the asshole in the corner smoking a cigarette. Like you can hear that air move in the studio. It's almost like it's in the, in the mix. And I think that especially with the songs that we worked on together while we were together in the room in Antwerp. Yeah. We captured the vibe of the, of the live room, you know? And it like, it has, the songs have a lot of space. Like reckoning has a lot of ephemeral, uh, I don't want to say a wall of ephemeral push, but it, it has a lot of really comfortable space to it. And same, I mean, same with baby in the band. I, th- I think that's, 
easily the most delicate song I've ever released with Divided Heaven. And it's like, there's three solos in that song. One of them is guitar, one of them is piano, and one of them is an acapella solo. So like, that's that's fucking crazy. (laughs) But like, I think the room and the setting that we had, we were able to make it work. Um, Yeah. And uh, I don't know, I think back to that time fondly. I, With all due respect to the other producers I worked with, which was Mike Bianconello and Frank Turner, and Charlie Stavish, there is a part of me that thinks that we could have captured something really phenomenal had you and I worked on the entire thing together. So maybe that'll happen next time. Never say never. <laughs> never say never. Never say never. I mean, do you prefer working with artists in the way that we work together where it was three, four, four and a half songs? Or do you like um, diving into the whole sandwich of the record? It's a totally different thing where if I'm... At the- I like them both because when you do a couple of songs, you just it it it's it's not true, but it feels like you can you're able to dive more into the s- songs, like as as a, a single thing. Whereas if you're working on a record, there's other stuff that you have to uh, think about, like sequence, like uh, guitar tones. Like there's if you want to do 14 songs, maybe not use the same guitar tone for every song. Whereas if you do four songs, if the tone works, why not do it for all four songs? Because it doesn't matter. It's you know what I mean? Um, I like both. I like long recording sessions because that it's that's almost like my um, at times my going out and partying uh, uh, substitute. You know what I mean? When and just especially when people from foreign countries come over, they mostly sleep at, at, at our house. So. Yeah. There's been times where we drank a couple of beers after a session, and it's it's uh, it gets more comfortable. I don't know if that's the, the right term because we also did like I think we did four or five days. I can't remember. We did two and a half days in the studio. No, was it that little? <laughs> it was that little. We were busy. All right, we were so busy. But yeah, dude, we were only in the studio for two and a half days. We were together for three and a half, but only working for two and a half. Right, right. Doesn't feel like that, but that's a good thing. <laughs> I remember to cap it off, you know, before my wife and I ended up going to Paris and then London, we went and got Indian food in Antwerp. And it was, it's still is one of the best Indian food dishes I think I've ever had. Yeah, Mission Masala. We actually went there a couple of weeks ago again, and it's still the, the best oh. food ever. <laughs> Mission Masala in Antwerp. Hell yeah, yep. man. Well, it's not as if this the year that was lost for everyone was totally lost for you, because you released a significant amount of music under your own name, right? Yeah, it's. <laughs> I always t- tend to play that down because I, I, I don't have like the ambition of be- being like uh, a musician, musician myself. Like I won't, I, I couldn't do with what you or Joe or Mike Nugraff, like the the whole touring thing. I like touring just every once in a while, but music is like a, and this sounds corny, but it's like a therapy. If I don't write songs for a while, I get a little bit depressed. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just. I just write songs and I collect them. And if I have a couple of that kind of tie well together, um, uh, I, I'll do something with them. And uh, in 2020, I did, I'm not sure if you're hinting at this one, but I did like a pop punk EP ish yeah. thing. Yeah, that was, um, that was a funny thing. I was, because of the whole coronavirus thing is everything kept getting delayed. 
every project I worked on was just on hold for forever and, and nothing got done. And that clutters my mind a lot. Like if I'm working on a couple of different projects and nothing is, is done, I, I, I tend to become chaotic in my head. So I wanted to make something with a beginning and an end. So I recorded the songs in like a week, maybe two. And then without any uh, real research in how to uh, 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 distribute or anything, I just asked uh, uh, um, uh, Bjorn from uh, Bearded Punk to put him on Spotify. Uh, and that was the, the the goal itself. Like I wanted to record something and w within no time have it be out and have it be, be done. <laughs> and that was the 14 so, minutes of ignorance EP? Yeah. 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 But since then, you've also released, I mean, you've released two records in 2021. You've released right. like almost 30 songs, over 30 songs yeah. in the past two years. So uh, is that stuff that you had been sitting on and you just didn't want it to be clogged in the system, for lack of a better term? Yeah, it, I hate to use the word failure because it's 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 really strong. But that record I had been working on for four years, and that was the record where I thought, well, in 2020, I'm going to release it, going to do some shows, and going to take take it on a, a little bit bigger than other records I did. Yeah, and then the whole plan fell in the wa water due to Corona. I was like, I can't sit on these songs for any longer. I'll just release them so that's it doesn't feel like a failure but i don't really know another an word for it i'm i'm happy it, it's out in the world but it i had a totally different plan for that uh, which already cost me to write a new record and i'm gonna try to do uh <laughs> something bigger like have a, have a proper tour have a have a, have a single and uh, promote it a little, little bit more for the next record yeah so but um, you didn't want to do that yeah. for this batch of songs because it just felt everything was locked old. down old i couldn't wait another year some of these songs were written in 2016 so I, I i i was so bored by the time i released it i just listened to it recently again and i was like oh this is actually pretty good <laughs> it's, it's terrible to say but i'm i'm as it comes to my own music i'm my own biggest fan i i if i like it that's the most important thing for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was talking with Chris Stowe at AF Records, who's putting out Oblivion in, in North America. And he right. said, you know, I have to remind you, your record may be old to you, but it's brand new to everybody else. You have to remember yeah. that. I was like, yeah, that's a valuable lesson. And uh, so I impart that wisdom onto you. But, you know, if it's the purpose of, I don't know, if, if it's a exercise in a kind of flexing that songwriting muscle and that releasing yeah vibe you know which sounds really dirty but you know what i mean like you're just you have to <laughs> exactly and if yeah. i had onto stuff for too long that kind of makes me not want to write anymore because i'm like what am i writing for if i if i have too many songs i'm like that this it, it has no use i know that's a silly thought but that's the way it goes in my head <laughs> yeah i got this room that i'm in repainted and so it looks really nice and i'm hesitant to really hang anything up on the wall but right. i did take a one push pin and one white piece of paper, you know, knee deep into the next batch of songs. And I, I wanted to get a jump on it before my baby was born so that because I knew I was inevitably going to have less time after right. he was born than before he was born. So yeah. I enjoy the, the process, but it's almost like I have to look at it every day. And it serves as a reminder that there's a reason to continue to be creative. And as opposed right. to trying to end up with 40 songs or whatever, I'm going to try to end up with 15 really, really good songs in the hopes that that could carry me maybe until like 2025. 
maybe. Right. You know, but yeah. do you, do you find that because you have the skill set of an engineer, which you're very good at and a producer, which you're very good at and a songwriter, which you're very good at that trifecta can sometimes work against you. Do you end up in a perfectionist sort of mindset and that uh, prohibits you from wanting to just release things when they're would otherwise be done depending on the project like i said the one that i did last year was really a, a, a an exercise in getting shit done i wanted mm -hmm. to have something done because i had so many un, unreleased and unfinished projects whether it be my own or or, or or bands that were in the studio but yeah i mean the biggest problem is i don't have to pay for studio time i guess <laughs> so it's never done like mom's a painter and she's the same way. Like it's it's never done. This is why I like getting physical copies uh, from bands that I recorded because that's the first time. If I had hold the vinyl or the CD in my hand, that's the first time about the projects where I'm like, I cannot fix anything anymore. It's done. Even when it's at the pressing plant, I'm still like, oh wait, should this be louder? As soon as I get the the physical copy in my hand, then I'm like, okay, the project's done. But before that, I'm still like, ah. They might call me and want want me to change something. <laughs> yeah, and, po and poignant, I would say, Tim. That's that's really really interesting. Yeah, God, that's almost zen like. It's like you holding that piece of plastic or petroleum wax. It. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's just the holding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think that's cool, man. I mean, culturally, maybe it's a little different in Europe, but I think here, artists don't smell the roses. Or they smell them too much, you know. Right. I can think of bands who I won't mention who just they talk about the same record that they re have released, and it's like, all right, well, it gets a little monotonous, and then it can be uh, difficult to want to champion. There's nothing new, but yeah. On the on the on, on the other hand, you have to respect the fact that they stand by with pride what they created, so they want to tell you about it in a different way or different color variant or a different aspect of of the personality of the, the art yeah it's a difficult thing because that it, it changes per band i guess i mean i always say that i like the, the the beatles i'm i'm more of a recording guy than a than a live guy i like playing live and i miss it i haven't played live in a, in a couple of months I, I i actually have a show so next week uh in holland so i'm looking forward to that but I, I I will always prefer recording over a a a, a live set uh, because I feel like it'll, in a live set I'm kind of repeating what I've already created, mm -hmm. albeit in a different way. I might add a couple of vocal lines or here and there or whatever. But in the studio I'm I feel like I'm I'm, I'm at my most creative. Oh wait, yeah. and I was for uh, I was talking about the Beatles, and this is what I liked about the Beatles because they would just stop playing. Because they had to, because they couldn't get over the the PA, couldn't go over the the, the screaming, <laughs> yeah. and they just started recording records like crazy. And I, I'd like to do that, but then again, I'm not as big as the Beatles, and I, <laughs> if I record and release two albums a year, I guess my mom will be happy about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. We are definitely not the Beatles. Yeah, I don't think. I had to double check this, but I don't think the Beatles are going to call either of us to be their support band on any tours anytime soon. No, I no. Damn you, Paul. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. But you mentioned the Beatles. That was a common bond between the two of us. Almost an unspoken, how far can we push this? Between the Mellotron and certain harmonies that I was doing on some of these songs. Is that a tint to that you bring to every project? 
I don't know. I guess it's. I mean, I, I. It's the same with music theory. I studied it, but I don't think about it. Every, every people that don't really know music theory always told me, ask me like, so when you write a song and you want to do a modulation, do you use the stuff you know? I'm like probably, but I don't think about it. And I guess that's the same way with the Beatles. Like, I know the tricks they did. I spent a lot of evenings with a guitar on my lap playing along with the Beatles. Like, wait, this was supposed to be a simple song. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so those tricks are probably somewhere in my head, but not like more instinct, instinct, instinctively. Sure. That'll work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then uh, like uh, just grabbing random stuff from the Beatles and using it on a project. So not 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 deliberate. Yeah. When you were diving into their catalog, was there a particular record that captured your imagination the most at that point? And is there one now? Yeah, it actually changed pretty recently. I was always a big fan of the White Album, and that was mostly because of Martha, My Dear. I love that song. Sure. That's that's, that's one of my favorite songs of the Beatles. Uh, Yeah, this is kind of a sad story, but I uh, my dad was a big Beatles fan, but he always his record collection was I, I, I want to say terrible, but that's terrible to say. So, so I won't, but he always had like best offs and like, he never had the, the real record he used to gave it to his sister. She gave it away, blah, blah, blah. So he, he right. didn't have any more of the record. So what I did was I burned the CD or I ripped it and sent it to him every time. And like the new Beatles mix came out. So I guess in 2016 or 17, that was the white album. They remixed that. Yeah. Then in 2019, Abbey road came out and, that is now my favorite record. And I, I ripped that and I wanted to send it to my dad. But he uh, before he got a chance to listen, he, he passed away. He uh, had a oh. had a musical accident. Um, oh, I'm so, so sorry, man. Yeah, thanks. So that might be a reason why. But I Abbey Road is 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 definitely currently my favorite record. Golden, uh, uh, Golden, Golden Slumbers. Slumbers. Oh, man, yeah. that's beautiful. Gives me goosebumps every time. I actually wanted to play that at his funeral, but I decided to do something else. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a special song for me. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing, man. Uh, my condolences. I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. Thanks. Thanks. The B side of that record is really in, the medley. And this, I've talked yeah. about this on this podcast multiple times, but there's something about the Beatles that feels like it attaches itself to my DNA. It's like, right. I, I have, I have a, uh, a physical reaction listening to them that I don't have with other bands. Right. I can listen to other bands and have the goosebumps moments, which are great when you hear something that just makes you, you know, like, Ooh, that was good. You know, but but with the Beatles, like it, uh, I I think about this often. I don't know what a lot of their songs are about, but the way they deliver them drugs will, will (laughs) will make me cry. You know, Uh, I forget. There was somebody, I want to say it was, uh, I, I recorded a song for a few records ago. I, I recorded with Stefan Egerton from the descendants and all. And right. I, I said to him, I was like, you know, with all due respect, because <laughs> I'm in your studio. Like I, I love the descendants. I, I really do. But I think I've always kind of liked all a little bit better because of Chad Price's voice. And he looks at right. me and he goes, Chad Price could read the phone book and I would cry. Like he has <laughs> that kind of voice. And I think it's, I think it's true, but I feel that way about the Beatles where, you know, like when, when my son was born, I I didn't know what I was, I still don't know what I'm doing, but I would kind of hold him as a newborn and I would sing all my love in or let it be. And then this one moment I sang uh, Blackbird 
and I, I got to the line, you were only waiting for this moment to arrive. And I couldn't even finish it. And I started crying and I was like, you know, there's, there's certain aspects of that song that have to do with race relations and the civil rights movement and, and institutionalized racism and all these kind of heavy topics. But in that moment, you can take it out of whatever context it has and attribute it to a beautiful moment in your life. And it's like, they're perpetually the best soundtrack for any. Yeah, it's true. What do you think of the new mixes? Like the, the whole, the Giles Martin, he, he redid most of the mixes. Did you, what do you think of them? Man, I like them all. I can't keep yeah. track of what is what or who is who. And I think that that's right. for people like every producer that I worked with on this record who are just nerding out to that stuff. The soft spot in my heart that I have for them it, it can be the shittiest recording quality. I right. mean, my, my, the first thing I had from them were cassette tapes that you bought on the infomercials off the television. Yeah. And those, yeah. those were not good quality tapes, even in 1988, <laughs> you know? Right. And so now I have the records and if I really, really want to try to dive into something with a nice system, I'll just play it digitally, but it's still kind of missing something, you know, like right. that's how I fell in love with the song. So I don't yeah. know, but, but you're a big fan of all these new mixes and, and how they kind of re keep re-releasing everything. Yeah, I was a big fan. I actually recently bought a book. I can't remember the engineer that worked on, um, uh, he worked on Abbey Road. He walked away from the White Album because the tensions were really high, apparently. But the engineer guy that worked on the Beatles on most of the later records, like the experimental stuff, I yeah. guess, if you can call it that. Uh, he wrote a book, My Life Recording the Beatles, and it's, besides the whole songwriting aspect where they were pretty much the first on a lot of things, the recording aspect as well. Like these guys were the people that started close mic and kick drums. Like this is such a given nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> they were the first. And the whole, that was of course in uh, uh, Abbey Road. And the, the, everyone was just like super angry at the engineer. Like, how dare you do this? And, they're, and, and they just tried to try everything like muffling a snare drum, like, it's it's funny how much stuff got uh, made up during those recordings. It's it's insane. So I mean, of course, I I record stuff for my job, so I I have a natural interest in that. But I thought that was just mind blowing how much, even in a purely recording uh, engineering point of view, they were the first in a lot of stuff as well. I thought yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, that's really something, man. Well, Mike Nograff, Tim Van Toll. Divided Heaven, Joe McMahon. You've done some great records for singer-songwriters, but that's not yeah. just your bag. Uh, are you working on anything in the moment that you can tell us about? A lot. So I'm working on, uh, let me see, I, I re-amped some stuff for uh, a, a skate punk band, like this really technical, really well-playing guys from Dowser. They're from from Holland. Mm, sure. Um which your friends of mine, Remy, the drummer, is actually in St. Plaster, like my punk band as okay. well. So we, we, they're the, 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 we know each other pretty well. Um, I just finished like an old school punk band recording uh, called Bad Wolf. And they're like old school as in everything played live, um, minimal overdubs, uh, no click track, uh, uh, just attitude and scratchy and beautiful. <laughs> it was... 22 songs in five days and it was I, I that was a hard one to get into after a year break from recording yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> but but it, that was really cool um in December I'm uh, uh probably gonna 
record a couple of things and mix uh, an, an Irish folk punk band, uh, the Lucky Trolls. They're from, I don't know if in English, Liege. They're from Luik, which is the Dutch version of the of the name of the town in Belgium. And okay. in French, it's Liege. Sure. I don't know what it is, <laughs> what it is in English. This is something I don't get. Why give uh, uh, town names, different names in different languages? That's just causing confusion. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I definitely thought I was playing a show in Cologne and pulled up to a place called Cologne and thought I was in the wrong place and had a freak out for about 10 minutes until I realized I was an idiot. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. It makes no sense. Like the (laughs) Hague, Den Haag. Den Haag. Yeah. Yeah. And there are several of them. Anyway, so what were we we talking about? (laughs) No, that's great. I was just wondering what you were working on. Well, Dude, it, it was great to talk with you. Thanks for being on my podcast. Thanks for working on this record with me. I, I have to say, and this might sound uh, cheesy to people, but you know, the moments where you listen back to something that you wrote and something that you had a good collaborator on, which in this case was you, and uh, those moments where you listen to your own songs and they make you cry. I've had that with you, and uh, I had it with Baby in the Band, and I had it. I still, every time I listen to Monuments, it gets me it really really gets me and i attribute that to more so to what you were able to put into these songs and the magic you were able to create than the song that i wrote you know yeah well you you have it completely wrong in that that way but i would i'll 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 take the compliment thank you so much (laughs) yeah Yeah, last thing i wanted to say about that like i i always say like the the vibe during the session is more important than how stuff sounds because the vibe is what you'll hear in the end. It's a weird thing to say from someone that spends his day repositioning mics two inches. <laughs> no, but you're, you're right. And there you have it. My conversation with my friend, Tim Van Dorn producer of the new Divided Heaven record Oblivion that you can purchase by going to DividedHeaven.com. Yeesh. All right. Everyone enjoy your week. Stay safe. Thanks for supporting the Berman Hour podcast. And uh, let's get it.